All right, good morning, EBC. How are we doing today? Man, the first service, whenever they talked about the woodshed, they broke out into applause. It was crazy. It's good to see you guys with us. Greatest TV show of all time. Amen, right? One of my favorites for sure. We are so glad that you are here with us. You're going to be whistling Andy Griffith all day today now. Love that, uh, love that show. We're in our series called Ruling the Roost, and we've been talking about our parenting relationship with our kids and Love the show. It's filled with so many great principles that a lot of them are really timeless principles. A lot of them are biblical principles. But I also know this, that we don't live in Mayberry, right? I wish everything worked out always the way that it does at the end of uh, the Andy Griffith show, where it was always so nice. And man, it'd be nice to have a laugh track while I was preaching and things like that, or in my home when I would say things that I think are funny, but they don't. You know, you've got the laugh track. And, and uh, you know, um, we've talked about this. We've been sharing this as we started our series a few weeks ago, that parenting we know it's not like Mayberry, okay? And it's very complex. There are so many variables that are involved on all kinds of things that many of you are dealing with as parents. Some of you are dealing with as grandparents. Uh, you know, they're broken families and, and divorce and blended families. And I mean, there's so many complexities that many of you are dealing with. And a lot of these variables make parenting really tough. And it doesn't always end up exactly the way that it does at the end of one of our, our favorite classic TV shows. And one thing I do love about that show, one thing that, that really I noticed as Andy was speaking, he said something like this, you're the parent and you're responsible for teaching them how to live today. And if we're not teaching them how to live in the society today, right now, as they are children in that particular season of their life... What is going to happen whenever, whenever they get a little older? Well, I think that in our society today, we can see some of that being manifested out, right? We see that that has happened whenever there's been a lack of discipline that's happened in the lives of many of the kids that we know either in our home or maybe, uh, you know, in our families or whatever that we see. And so, you know, the part of the, that, that's part of the emphasis of this series is we want to talk about preparing our kids for life beyond just the nest where we currently have them. And I know this, that all of you are in different kinds of stages in your parenting. Some of you have small kids, some of you have teenagers, some of you have kids that have, that have already left the nest. And as we've been saying every week, don't check out if that's you. God has something for you today because what we've been focusing on is the relationship that we have with God. And, and so God can speak to you as well. And, and I felt like it was so important before we ever got into talking about discipline and that side of parenting, that is very important. But I thought it was so important that we established the relational side of parenting first. We learned last week, we learned that rules without relationship leads to rebellion. Rules without relationship leads to rebellion. So it's important that we are cultivating relationships with our kids. And that's, that's work. It takes time. It takes encouragement. It takes, uh, you know, when, you're, when maybe you're tired from what you've experienced throughout the day to actually spend time cultivating a relationship. And we asked a question last week as we considered our relationship with our kids. What we're in essence doing is we are building what? Influence in their lives. Our role as a parent is not primarily just to be enforcer. 
We want to be an influencer in their life. For as they begin to grow out of the high chair and begin to, to grow in their life to where we're still having influence in their lives as they're getting older, okay? And so the question we asked last week, and, and really I kind of gave you a homework assignment last week, and it's a good homework assignment, was what am I doing, no matter what stage of parenting you may find yourself in, what am I doing today to enhance the relationship that I have with my child, whether they're a, a small child or whether they're an adult child? What am I doing today? And we talked about practical ways to do that. We talked about, uh, about encouragement, how the world will beat you down. And it was in this service last week when I said beat down. I think we had a two or three-year-old that, that cried out, beat down at that particular point. They even know it, right? What are we doing to encourage our kids? What are we doing to bring acceptance to them that they don't have to do the dance for us to love them, that we love them the way that God loves us? And then we talked about spending time with them, qualitative time as well as quantitative time, spending those two things together. It's not one or the other. It's both and, right? And so we've been talking about fear in our parenting, where many of us struggle in parenting, leads us to extremes. We've been talking about paranoid parents, where they are overly controlling and hyper-controlling in every area, and, there's no, and they, they focus more on the rules than they do on the relationship, and so there's an imbalance there. And, and, and you know how, how we can become kind of a drill sergeant with our kids and intimidate them into obeying us. And they may go through the actions of obedience, but there's no attitude in their obedience. I had a mom that told me last, uh, last service, right in between services, she said she heard the story about a, about a lady who had her child in the back seat of their car, and this was before child seats were there, and the, and the child would not sit still. And so she said, I'm going to pull over, and I'm going to make you sit down. You are going to sit down. And so he kept doing what he was doing, and finally she pulled over, and she buckled him in and made him sit down. And she told me this is what he said. I may be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. All right? So we want to move them to obedience of not only just outward external actions. What does God want with us, church? He wants our hearts, right? He wants us to obey because we love him and there's relationship that's built there, okay? And we want to shift from the high chair in the way that we, that we you know, bring obedience to that relationship and leading them in the way of the Lord, okay? So that's a, that's a parent-centered family, they're the ones that's ruling the roost. And then you also have the other extreme. You have permissive parents. And those are the ones that focus purely on being just a good friend to their child. And, and that's all they're concerned about. They're afraid that if they ever bring discipline, their child won't like them. And so they completely neglect the responsibility of discipline in their child's life. And they don't want to have boundaries. They don't want to have limits. And so boundaries out in the world are very ambiguous for their child. And they never learn to get along in society, right? And, and so what are we doing if we're an overly permissive parent? We are enabling our kids to become very self-centered, very self-centered, very self-entitled. Let me ask you this. Do you see a lot of entitlement in the generation today? A sense of entitlement that I am owed something. I mean, we see that all over the place, and it's something that's so rampant in our society that we live in. And so whenever we refuse to bring discipline in their lives because maybe we're afraid, kind of we see like the, the kid, you know, the, the permissive parent that was rescuing their child all the time. We'll talk about that here in a minute. Uh, we, what, what, what are we creating? We are creating little narcissists is what we're doing. 
And, and, we, and so we have an active role as parents, just as Andy Griffith said, and we'll read in the scripture, where we have a responsibility to bring them up and to bring this love in their life. So we have child-centered families. The whole roost is ruled by the child and what they say and their behavior or maybe they're all of their activities. And what we've been wanting to do is to land someplace there in the middle where not it's, it's not a parent-centered family. It's not a child-centered family. We want Christ to be the center of our families. Amen, church? That's what we're wanting to land in. We're wanting Christ to be the one to rule the roost. That's where we've been going in this series. And so God has blessed us with this great gift of children. They're, they were his before they were ever ours and he has called us to be the ones to train them up and to bring them up in the Lord. And, and what we said in week one, just as Jairus, we read about Jairus in the Gospel of Luke, came to Jesus and said, Lord, help us. And we need help with this. We need help to know how to do this in his way. And I got to tell you, I'm not the model. I have so many inconsistency, and I've bl- blown it from time to time. You can ask Trinity or Luke, and I've messed up or ask Hope. And I'm not the model, but here's the thing. You're not the model either. All of us, if we were to say, if we'd blown it as parents or grandparents, you'd raise your hands. You'd say, man, I wish I could have said that differently. I wish I would have done that action differently. Uh, We had a lot of empty nesters in our first service this morning and some that are in this service as well. And there are some of you that would say, man, I really blew it. I missed some opportunities and and, and don't miss this time. And when I said that in the last service, so many of them said, amen. Don't miss this time and miss this opportunity to pour into their lives. So here's what we want to do. We've been looking at our perfect model of parenthood. It's not me. It's not you. It is our Heavenly Father. We've been given this great model of this balance of love and discipline going hand in hand together, that they're not one or the other. They're actually the same thing because parenting is really all about relationships. It's about relationships in different stages, and we want to look at how God treats us in our relationship with him and draw parallels with that in our, in our parenting. The Apostle Paul said in the book of Ephesians, he said after he talked about their relationship with God, then he said, now this is how this plays out. Imitate God in all you do, even your parenting. Imitate God in all you do. And then he says, follow the example of Christ. So last week we focused on love and grace and tenderness and encouragement, the relational side of parenting. And that's all important because there's an emotional development that we are entrusted with with our kids. That's an emotional development that, that a big part of that comes from us. And if we're not loving them in those kinds of ways... We're not showing them affection. We're not, we're not loving them in that manner. Then they are often emotionally stunted and it affects their relationships and it affects their relationship with God. So that's really, really important and that's where we started. But here's the thing, that if we don't teach them to, to obey and we don't teach them boundaries and that there are boundaries in life, then here's what we're doing. We're robbing them of social development. They've got to have social development and spiritual development as well. And so we, can, we may think we're helping them when we're only high on hugs and never bringing discipline in their life, but we're going to see that the, that the Word of God says that those things go hand in hand, okay? So turn with me to the book of Hebrews in your New Testament. The book of Hebrews, go there with me, and while you're turning there, I want you to think about Christ as this perfect model. And he has these scales in his hand, and on one scale he has grace, and on the other scale he has truth, Okay, grace and truth. And you know, Christ is the model, and those things are perfectly balanced in, with him in the way that he relates to us. 
Does Jesus bring truth in our lives and discipline in our lives sometimes? Yes. Is it all driven by his love for us? Absolutely. And so we're going to look about at this just a, a few moments. But chances are, as Jesus is perfectly balanced, here's what I know. You and I, we are not. Some of us have more of a leaning or a tilt towards one side. Some of you maybe lean a little more towards truth and rules and consequences and justice and candor. You'll speak and say it like it is. You have no problem, you know, drawing uh, the, the boundary in a relationship and even enforcing discipline. Does anybody in here relate to that? That's you. You lean more towards that side. Raise your hands up. All right. Now we know who the bouncers are in the church. All right. We've got bouncers. We need help in the children's ministry. Help us. Okay. Others, however, and I know that this imbalance never causes any problems in marriages, right? Never, no. Others of us, however, may be the opposite tilt, and your scale tilts, tilts more to the grace side and, and, and mercy uh, with consequence relief, you know, and, and maybe a little more tender side. You would be, and just the self-confessed, softy parent, and you know, this is not only, this is a lot of times, this could a lot of times be more male than female, okay? All right, raise your hands if maybe that's you. Be honest, okay? Be honest. Raise your dainty little hands. I'm kidding, all right? I'm kidding, all right? I'm just teasing um, because here's the thing. I struggle with that. I struggle with, truthfully, I can, I'm a little bit of a hybrid. It depends on what day you catch me on. Do you guys relate to that? Some days I can be drill sergeant dad, and some days I can be everybody get on the love boat, you know, cruise, <laughs> cruise ship director dad, you know. But here is what we want. We need consistency. Some of you are more of a hybrid, kind of like me, okay? God is our model because one thing we see in God is that he, he, he brings consistency with love and truth. He brings consistency with grace and truth in our lives, and, and he's so well-balanced in this. And I've said this mistakenly before, where some of us are more loving and some of us are more disciplining. I've said that mistakenly because here's what that one, in essence, I've said in the past, with, just as a mistake, I've said this as if those are two polar ends of the spectrum, and they're not. They go together. You're going to see that in the Word of God in Hebrews this morning, how those words, love and discipline, really go hand in hand together. They're not contradictory. Actually, love includes discipline, and discipline includes love. And remember, God is our model. So the author of Hebrews, let me give you context, he's writing to a group of Christians that were going through a really hard time. And they were struggling, and they were wonder, wondering whether God loved them as they were going through hardship. And, and let me just ask, have you ever felt that way? When you're going through hardships and difficulties, and you're wondering, does God really love me? Sometimes he brings discipline in our lives, and, you know, and, and we can think, does a God who would allow discipline in my life and hardship in my life, could he really love me? All right, so again, some of you, your kids, are, you're not in the season of bringing discipline in your kids' lives I want to say to you, don't check out because what we're going to focus on right now is our relationship with God. So you think about your relationship with God, and that applies to all of us. doesn't matter if you have kids or not, or it doesn't matter if you, because if you, you do, I hope, have a relationship with Christ, and you can begin to assess. And I just trust this, that God is going to speak to us with his word. Amen? His word will not return void. Let's just invite him to do that. Pray with me real quick. Father, as we look in your word... We invite you to be our teacher, our corrector, and we are grateful that we know that all correction and discipline in our life, Lord, that you bring to us is driven 
and compelled by your love for us. And so, Father, we just take a moment just to say thank you for that. Lord, I pray, as I've been praying all week, that you would speak to each person today what you would have them hear, that we would not check out because maybe our kids are older or maybe we don't have kids, but you would help us focus on our relationship with you. And Lord, you would begin to help that flesh out in our lives in the way that we relate with others. And it's in Christ's name that I pray, amen. The book of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5, reading in the NLT, it says this. The author writes, and have you forgotten, now this is so interesting to me, the encouraging words, hang on to that a little bit, that God spoke to you as his children. And it's interesting to me that he says encouraging words, and he's about to begin to speak about discipline in our lives. How do those go hand in hand? We're going to see that he's doing something with it, okay? So have you forgotten about the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's, say with me, church, the Lord's discipline. And, and this will be a word to those of you who are in hardship right now. And, and, and he goes on and says, and don't give up when he corrects you. Don't give up. Don't be exasperated. There's a purpose in his correction in our lives. And, his, and, his, and sometimes there's, he uses hardship in our lives to help us grow more to be like him, as we'll see. For the Lord, I love this, the Lord disciplines those he, say it with me, church, those he loves. He disciplines those that he loves, all right? And he punishes each one he accepts as a child, As you endure this discipline, this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Now, this is interesting. Who ever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? I believe the author of Hebrews would be quite surprised by our society today, right? He's asking this as if this is, this is kind of a little more unheard of. Who's ever heard of that? A father not involved in bringing discipline and love and correction. You know, that, that shouldn't be the way that it is. And he goes on, if God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, so if you're a child of God, we will encounter discipline in our lives. It, it, that's just what he says right there. It means that you are illegitimate and not really his children at all. So that's something to think about as you're going through the discipline of the Lord. Let it be an encouragement to you, although it's hard right now. Let it be an encouragement to you that this also evidences that you're a child of God. This is one of the things that he's talking about. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of our father, the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years. What does that say? That's just a period of time. We only get one period of time, and we better make the most of this. They did this for a few years. Doing the best they knew how. That also, we relate to that, because some of us, we're doing the best we know how. But God's discipline is always good for us. Read the next part with me out loud. So that we might do what? Share in His holiness. Now, this next part of the verse or the passage could be our verse for the day. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening, right? It's painful. It's painful for the Father as He brings discipline into our lives. This could be the part where God's saying, it hurts me more than it hurts you, right? Okay? It's, it's difficult for us as we go through what we're going through, but it's painful. It's not fun. It's not pleasant at the moment is what He says But he goes on, but afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living. Say it with me, church, for those who are trained in this way. 
right? So I want you to see some things. I want you to think about your relationship with God, whether you're a parent or not, and, and, and begin to think about discipline God's way in our lives. And then those of us who are parents, we need to begin to think about how that translates in practical steps for us to bring that into the lives of our children, okay? Here's the first thing if you're taking notes. God, God's discipline, discipline his way, always has the big picture in mind. It always has the end in mind. It's not just an immediate thing you're moving upon that child that, or that he's just doing to you at that particular moment just to correct you because, because he's annoyed with you at that particular moment. There is something that's going on in your life. It's not pleasant at the moment. There's a big picture in mind. There's a purpose that goes behind the discipline. It's not purely just punitive. It's not just to, to inflict pain just because there's meanness there or a harshness there. What is he doing in the midst of the discipline? Look at verse 10. It says, so that we might share in his holiness. So what does that mean? Hardships, difficulties, God uses those as training. He's refining us. He's purifying us. You were just singing a song a few moments ago, the ocean song about faith and, 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 you know, and stepping out and doing it. How do we get to the place of having stronger faith? Our faith has to be tested. We have to go through periods of testing and difficulty and, and maturing. He's drawing us to our full potential because ultimately he wants us to look more like Jesus. Ultimately, what is he doing in our life? He's making us more in his image. He's getting ready to set us free or to set us on this place of soaring for him and looking you know, more like him. His discipline is not a purpose in and of itself. Our job as a parent in following God's lead in this is not just discipline just to keep our kids in line right now. And I can, I can get to where I'm focusing only on the immediate thing, you know, or maybe they're annoying me by one of their actions or whatever, and it's not just about right now. It's not just about, I'm going to show you right now who's the boss because I want you to know that. It's not just about winning to win, okay? Um, th- there's so much more that's going on. It's not just about me expressing my stress and an outlet for my frustrations. There is a big picture involved but it's not enjoyable while it's happening. But did you notice the word that he used, the word trained? The word trained is a key word in this. He says training. He, what does training do? It makes, he's making us better. When we bring discipline in their lives, it's to be thought of as training, all right? And that's not a pleasant turn or a pleasant experience a lot of times. It's preparing them for flight out of the nest, though. Think of it like this, training, okay? When I thought of this this week, is anybody else excited and fired up and pumped up that football season is here, all right? Woo-hoo, I'm excited, I'm pumped. Coach Ab, we're ready, okay? All right, we're ready to go. But I guarantee you, if you were to ask Coach Ab and Sham, uh, Ab and Sham the, the, of, of Basel, if you were to ask the coach there, when are champions made, coach? They are made in when? The off-season, They're made during the time of training. They're made whenever they are sacrificing at a particular, another particular time. Champions, yes, it begins to flush out during the season, but it's during that off-season where champions and championships are won, right? As they're working hard when nobody's seeing, nobody's applauding them. I think of our musicians. Don't we have a great band, Joey, on the drums, man? These guys are amazing. We love them. 
We're so thankful for so all of you are so gifted musically. But those of you who are gifted musically, you know this, that great, great musicians are the ones who are willing to put in the time when nobody's watching. And, and that's one of the reasons our worship team is so wonderful is they work hard. And Danny, Danny requires practice. He's a great musician, but he knows he needs to practice too. And so they work on it when nobody's watching. That's training. If you're a runner, you you don't just show up at a race and expect to do anything in that race if you're a serious runner. It's all the times you're running by yourself when nobody is watching. That is training. What is training all about? It's leading to something that's coming down the road. And that's what this word training speaks of. This is what life is about. It's with the big picture in mind. So as as God's disciplining, maybe you don't have kids, but maybe you're going through discipline right now. Know that God's discipline in your life is not just because he's just trying to be mean to you. God has something for you. He's preparing you for, amen? Aren't you glad it's not just a a mean-spirited discipline? He's getting you ready. He's preparing you. Okay, here's another thing. And, and we as parents, we need to realize our discipline has the big picture in mind with our kids. We want to see, look at this passage in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 18. This, this, this proverb really weighed heavily upon me this week. Discipline your children while there is hope. Discipline them, in other words, while you have them right now and there is hope and you've got, you have them in the early stages, you can be, continue to be an influencer in their life right now. And I want you to read the next part with me out loud because this was a sobering thought this week. Say it with me, church. Otherwise, you will ruin their lives. Wow. Otherwise, if you won't do the hard work of this, you are participating in their destruction. You are enabling them to destruction. You are responsible if you're not going to do the hard work of bringing discipline in their life. And, and so here's, here's discipline God's way. Think about this in your relationship with God. Discipline is something you do for your child, not to your child. It's something that is a gift for them. That it, it, It's not pleasant, but it actually is a gift that you are giving them. Zig Ziglar said this, and anybody that's got a name like Zig Ziglar, you better listen, right? Okay, it's a great name, but he's a great motivational speaker. But he said this, a child who has not been disciplined with love by his little world will be disciplined without love by the great big world. Can I get an amen? You know that to be true. Some of you as adults Maybe you had overly permissive parents you grew up without, and they were hands-off in your life. And as you were in your young adult stage, you didn't have boundaries that were set in your life, or maybe they weren't in, you know, enforced in your life, and, and, and you didn't know what the boundaries were. You made bad choices early on, and some of you would say, I am reaping that in my life right now. And you know it's true. And you know that, 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 you know, and that was maybe a way that you've been exasperated was they didn't pour into your life and, and have correction that you needed in your life. So you kind of got away with anything. And now you've learned that the big world is a lot more harsh in its discipline than your little world. The author of Hebrews writes that you have to really question the kind of love that God would have for us as his children if he brings zero correction in our life. I mean, that's really the way he puts it. You'd have to really question if he loved you. 
If he's just going to let you just kind of, you know, and not uh, just do whatever with no end in sight as far as how he's trying to shape you, if he's going to be distant and aloof or uninvolved and not caring. And you know what we said last week when we talked about exasperating children? Sometimes we focus so much on the exasperating side as being the overly harsh parent. But I'm, I'm telling you this, as a pastor that's been in the ministry now for about 25 years, I have heard more people who have said to me that where they have been exasperated the most is by parents that were distant and aloof and never involved in bringing correction in their life. And now those kids, they've grown up in adults and they are dealing with all kinds of messes and and they're exasperated by that and they're angry and they're embittered. And he says, don't exasperate your kids. Don't be overly harsh. But yet also, he said, you've got to be involved because fathers back in that time were not very involved. And what what Proverbs is saying, what Hebrews is saying is the most unloving thing you could do is to not be willing to do the hard work of bringing discipline in your child's life because you are setting them up, setting them up for, for some hardship later that they won't know how to deal with. Here's the third thing, okay, that we see in God's relationship with us because think about your relationship with God. Think of how he parents you is that God's discipline, His way, allows room for mistakes and natural consequences. He allows room for mistakes and natural consequences. Yes, He will bring discipline and correction in our life. But let me ask you, church, is God all-powerful? Can God do anything? Yes. Is He sovereign? Is He omniscient? And, and, you know, and all of these things. But does God sit around and just constantly nag you over and over and over again to do things his way, or does he say, here's the way it is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you the way it is, and then I'm going to let some of this play out in your life. And oftentimes, the correction and discipline that happens in our own lives is, are the natural consequences that have come about by our bad choices. Amen? Right? Oftentimes, that's what's going on. And God, God will not nag you into following his principles. He knows that when we make mistakes, that is one of the primary ways that we learn and gain wisdom. Now, there's a lot more wisdom in learning from others' mistakes than from your own mistakes and a lot less pain, but we know that some of us, we only learn through making mistakes. And so we have to give our kids some room to make mistakes. We have to give them room to, you know, we teach them what is right, but you know as they start getting older, you can't always make the choices for them, right? At some point, you can't be the enforcer. You have to be the one who's the influencer. At some point, they're going to grow out of the high chair and go to that regular chair like we talked about last week. And you've got to have the relationship with them that is leading them in the way of the father, leading them in the way of the the master, not just you just intimidating them into the way of the father, okay? And so he talks about it as, you know, as us training them up. Think of how he trains us up. He allows us to make mistakes. He allows us to make mistakes, learn from those mistakes. And what we want to do is transfer responsibility that God is teaching us to teaching our kids to be responsible to make good choices. Here's the big deal right here. When we're not around, because you're not always going to be around. And so at some point, their decision to follow God's principles in their life has to happen because they realize that it's the wise thing to do, not just because mom and dad said so. 
And so we've got to be sure that we are transferring responsibility, that we're moving from being enforcer of the rules to one who's influencer of the rules. And, and, and here's just practical application. So what does that look like? Well, it means this. It must mean this, that they, our children, no matter what age, must learn that all actions have consequences, right? That all actions have consequences, and there are good consequences that come with good choices, and there are bad consequences that come with bad choices. And so here's, here's where I want to begin moving with this part of the talk today, okay? There has to be a commitment on our part to sometimes allow that to play out in the lives of our kids so they begin to learn that for themselves, They begin to learn that there are consequences that come with actions. And I'm going to be honest with you. It is hard for me sometimes to stand by and just watch Luke or Trinity make a bad decision that I know is going to lead to some hardship in their life. Do any other moms and dads feel that? And you want to swoop in and you want to fix it and you want to go, don't do that. Why? Because I said so and I know better, you know, at this moment. But, and we do know better. But let me ask you this, does God know better? Is he omniscient about every area of your life? Yes, but what does God often do? He allows us, he's not going to make you follow him. He allows you to begin to learn on your own. And then what do you do? You follow God and you love God because of the relationship, right? Okay, so, so it takes work. It takes discipline for a parent to, to not swoop in. Let me give you a couple of examples real quick, okay? There's different kinds of parents, and we'll all kind of relate to each of these. You'll see a little bit of yourself in each, okay? There's what we'll call, and I've, I've talked about this before, but I want to bring it back up. A lot of new folks in the church, a lot of new kids in the church. There's what's called lifeguard parents. Lifeguard parents who always rescue their child from, from the natural consequences of their actions. Oh my goodness, little Little Billy again is in trouble again, so super mom or super dad has got to swoop in and rescue like we saw in the video earlier today, right? When we saw that, swooping in, I'm going to fix this. He's not going to face any consequence of his, of his actions. And how do you know if you're a lifeguard parent and school starts tomorrow, all the parents said, amen, right? Okay, and you might be a lifeguard parent if you've delivered, or if you have to deliver little Billy's lunch three or more times in the next two weeks because little Billy keeps forgetting his lunch and you got to be the one to take it up over and over. I can understand maybe one or two times, right? Okay. But you're doing that over and over again. The real problem is when little Billy is still in college and you're doing that for him, okay? And you've lifeguard parented him always and that's what he's learned and there's never consequences. You know what? Little Billy will be okay missing a meal at that time. And maybe he'll begin to remember, I need to take lunch if I want to eat. All right, that's so lifeguard parents. A few, a few, I've got to tell this story. I've told it before, but I've got to tell it because it's classic, okay? A few years ago when Luke was smaller, Luke's 19 now, but he was about eight or nine when this was going down, okay? And we were struggling with him with this. He was probably about eight or nine. Luke was definitely a kid who would have lost his head if it was not attached to his shoulders, okay? Anybody have kids like that? Yes, he would lose. And, and this was what was going on. He was losing everything. There was a lot of childish irresponsibility. And I don't have time to get into that today. There's defiance and there's childish irresponsibility. We dealt some with defiance with Luke early on. Don't deal with that too much now, praise the Lord. And I'm very blessed in that area. Don't deal with that hardly at all with Trinity. But there's a lot of childish irresponsibility, okay? Because they're kids, right? And that's just going to be part of it. 
So well, a particular winter we went through with Luke, there was a little spell where he was leaving his coat anywhere we would go. He would never keep up with it. Uh, one or two times is understandable. He was eight, right? Kids will be kids. No big deal. We all forget stuff. So we are looking at each other like still childish irresponsibility. All right. Pastor Randy likes to tease me because I forgot my wallet one time, one time when we went to lunch. Okay. One time. And he's never let me forget that. Although love truly keeps no record of wrongs. Right. (laughs) He's saying 10 times. That's not true. One time. All right. And uh, well, this became incredibly chronic for Luke. And we'd even, we'd chased him, the, the coat down a few times for him and helped him. We even sat down with him and explained to him, Luke, we spent money on a nice coat for you. You need to keep up with this. You are the steward over this. Keep up with it. Okay. This is your coat to keep up with because mom and dad, right? And his thought was mom and dad have enough money to just keep buying me a new coat every time I lose this one, right? Wrong. And that's not what we were going to do. So Luke had done this over and over again. He'd leave it at church. He'd come to some of your houses. He'd just throw it off, right? And just no mindfulness whatsoever of what was going on. And then we would be looking for the coat all the time. Some of you would bring us to me after a service on Sunday morning. We found this coat. It's Luke's. Give it to me. You know, and I'd be walking back mad about it. And well, Hope and I decided to, to, let's say this. In fact, I'm going to put it this way. Let's say Hope is actually more masterful at this stuff than I am. She's masterful at it, okay? I sit in awe of her when she does these things. But we, she, decided that Luke needed to learn, as he had lost it again, what it was going to feel like to be cold without a coat. And so this was what was going on. Maybe this would help him keep up better with his coat. So when we sat down with him, we said after he lost his coat again, we said, you know, we said, we are not buying you another coat. And he couldn't find it this time. We're not buying you another coat. We already told you this. He was about eight years old at the time. Now, I'm going to tell you, he was not happy. He felt like he deserved another coat. He wasn't happy at this point. He couldn't get over how we would not take care of getting our only begotten son another coat. You know, how in the world would we as parents allow him to freeze to death in these horrible Texas winters, right, that we have? How could we? He may have even said something like this. What kind of parents are you? And I believe I was like, I am going to show you what kind of parent I am. Drill Sergeant Dad is about to step in. Boy, I'm going to bust you. And Hope masterfully steps in at this point. Tag, she's it. And the calm collective assassin steps in. All right? <laughs> and I sat in awe as this woman dealt with this child at this point. She, she may have said something you know, kind of like this. We, we are the kind of parents that buy you a coat one time and have helped you find it two times already and you continue to choose not to take care of it and now, and this was ice cold water in the veins, and now you're going to be the kind of kid who's going to be cold. That's what kind of parents we are. And I was just like sitting back just in awe as she's breaking it down on him. And I'm like, get you some of that, boy. I mean, she's got this smirk even a little bit on her face. And I'm like, I know that smirk. She uses that on me. 
And the same logic for that manner. I mean, it's, it's good stuff. And, and so again, she, she's like, Luke, you don't have to be cold. You can put more clothes on. You, 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 you have gloves. You have a hoodie, whatever. But we're not buying you another coat. We're not buying you another coat. And, and she said something like this. You can either work really hard to find the, the old one you lost at school. Or two, you can use some of the money that you've been saving for all of your video games to buy yourself another coat. Well, lo and behold... After a few days of freezing his little booty off, the coat was miraculously found at school. It was a winter miracle, all right? <laughs> we stopped rescuing him again and again and again and again. And lifeguard parenting is when we don't allow our kids to face natural consequences. And, and, that, and that even translates as they become teenagers too. It even translates as they're young adults to begin to understand that there are consequences that happen in actions. Now, does God allow us to face natural consequences in our lives? Yes. Let me ask you something. Does God ever stop loving us in the midst of that? No. He continues to love us. Look at what God's word says in Galatians 6. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. In other words, this is God's divine economy. You're not going to circumvent this. One way or another, this is going to play out in your life. Read it with me, church. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. What does he say? A man reaps what he sows. You reap what you sow. And if you're sowing in irresponsibility and you're allowing your child to do that and you're lifeguard parent and you're rescuing over and over, you're going to want to rescue because it's that just we want to do that. We want to save them all the time, but we just can't because we are enabling that behavior. Here's the next thing, okay? This is another thing. And now now think about that. Um, You know, God, God allows this in our life. Think about this, okay? There's another undisciplined type of parent. We'll call it today an etch-a-sketch parent. I brought this up before. Etch-a-sketch parent. Does anybody remember what the etch-a-sketch is? All right? Pastor Randy's from Arkansas. They call these computers there, okay? All right. Hey, he's getting up. He's walking out. Do you remember this little toy? What do you do? You, you draw the lines, and the lines go all over the place, and then what do you do? You shake it up, and the lines disappear. Etch-a-sketch parents, there's no consistency whatsoever, you know, and, 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 and so lines, the kids never know what the lines are. You maybe have one parent that's one knob over here, and the other one's the other knob, and they're going all over the place, and the kids don't know what they don't know where the boundaries are because we're inconsistent and as I said this can be one of the areas I struggle in and here's whenever I really struggle whenever I'm tired and I don't feel like enforcing or, or or talking about the boundaries or disciplining or I'm busy or whatever or maybe you know and as I said I can be cruise corrector dad or or cruise ship director dad or sometimes drill sergeant dad and And so God, we have to think of God as the one who brings consistency in our life. He's consistent with us. His word is consistent. He's laid boundaries that are out for us. Has God given us things like the Ten Commandments? Or is he talking about loving people and all that? Or or those kinds of things? Has he given us principles in, in our lives because he's mean? No, he loves us. And he knows that, you know, that these things are important to live out. And he's saving us. From a lot of hardship in our lives. So when it comes to discipline God's way, there's, there's room for mistakes, there's natural consequences, there's consistency. So many other things that we could talk about, but there's just not time. 
Think about the way that God disciplines us in our lives. He expects obedience, as we said, with the right attitude. It's not just about the action. He doesn't discipline in an uncontrolled rage. Let that speak to some of us who struggle with that. He wants us to own responsibility of our actions, right? And then think about this. When we make mistakes and when we sin, what does God do? He forgives when we repent. So he's gracious too. They go all together. He is our model in this series and in our lives as parents. And then we, if, we, if we're going to follow him, if we're going to parent like God parents us, what does that say to us? That means this. We need to get to know him more. We need to explore our own relationship with him and understand that. He has awesome balance of rules, so to speak, or regulations or principles is the way I like to think of it with relationship. He balances grace and truth and mercy and consequences. It's all driven by his love. He is preparing us. He's getting us ready. He's more concerned. We've heard this said a lot of times, but I want you to really internalize this. He is more concerned about our holiness later on than he is about our immediate happiness right now. He's shaping us, and he uses discipline in our lives. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to close with this today. I want you just, if you're a parent, no matter what stage, to just ask God to begin to speak to you about how he would want you to respond to what you've heard. Evaluate your parenting today. Do you have a tendency to lean to one extreme more than the other? What would it look like for you to become more balanced? more balanced. Maybe some of you raised your hand. You're more the disciplinarian and very maybe short on, on, on you know, encouragement in other areas. Maybe you're the permissive one and God would say, you've got to start bringing discipline in their life for their good. I want to just invite you to prayer with me, okay? That's a big day for a lot of us. Many of us have children that are going back to school tomorrow. We want to certainly pray for them and pray for our teachers and pray for, for just our families. Our band is coming up. They're going to play a song that I just want you just to... It's an emotional song, okay? I'm just going to prepare you right now. It is an emotional song, but I'm asking them to do this song because it speaks about this. And just you just stay in a moment of prayer, okay? You, just be, you can pray with your eyes open too, by the way. But you just be in a place of prayer right now. Maybe God would just begin to bring correction to you about some area in your life. Maybe you've been overly harsh and angry and embittered parent. Maybe you're just a hurting parent today and you just need a touch from the Lord of encouragement. Maybe you've been a permissive parent and God's trying to show you about more about discipline in, in, in your parenting. For some of you, this message is about God's discipline that he's brought in your life and it would just be an affirmation that God still and has always loved you and will never stop. He loves you. There's a big picture in it. Some of you have never come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, and Jesus has made that possible for us to have a heavenly father. He died on the cross for our sins, and you've never trusted him for your salvation. And right now you can say, Jesus, I want a relationship with you. I want you not only to be just the center of our family, I need you to be the center of my life. And so... I place my faith in you. Save me, Jesus, right now. I need a fresh start. So our worship team is up here. They're going to they're gonna sing a song and do a song that is a powerful reminder of our limited time 
and role that we have in the lives of our children. A limited season. Again, empty nesters would say amen to that. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. If you're a child of God, this is also how he feels about you. So Father, as we pray, as we listen to this song, as we reflect, thank you, Lord, for your evidenced love for us through Jesus. Lord, as our kids prepare, many of them to go back to school, as our teachers go back to school, as some of them are going off to college, Father, we pray that we would support them, we would love them, we would pray over them daily. Father, may they be just a light in the darkness. Father, may we just be all that we can be as parents in their lives, training them up and releasing them to be what you have made them to be. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.